0: Welcome to the Servants of Fire podcast, where we dive into real life application of the prophetic evangelism, pastoring, healing, and so much more. We'll have special guests and your host, Alvin Kaufman.
1: Thanks for listening to us, guys. On today's episode, I'm joined by Jennifer Miskoff. She's a researcher, somebody who's gone deep into revival history. She's really uncovered Carrie Judd Montgomery's life in detail, and this is a great episode to go over if you're really interested in revival history and heroes of the faith. So give us a subscribe on iTunes and a review if you guys don't mind. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get right into today's episode. I've never even heard of her before until I came across one of your um, Facebook posts on writing in the glory, and it's something that I've been interested in is trying to to write, and then I saw some of your videos, so I'm like, well, who, who are you? So I started doing some research, and then I came across Carrie Judd Montgomery, and I'm a big uh, Heroes of the Gods Generals, you know, and Carrie Judd Montgomery is somebody that I've never heard of, so how did you end up coming across her, or... Um, even just doing the research on her
0: yeah it was really uh the lord um i felt led to england to do some more um school so i went there and i ended up doing my phd and i wanted to study revivals and things like that um and ended up discovering us my supervisor's book harry john montgomery and uh Yeah, I just ended up falling in love with her story and digging a bit deeper. I found out no one had really researched her. Just one person years ago did a master's, and I just loved her story. And, um, yeah, that's how I I found her.
1: One question that I would have is, why is it important to study revival history?
0: The the deeper we dig into the past, um, the farther we can go into the future. It's the power of the testimony. Mm. So if we want to do great things. We don't have to pave new paths. We just find the streams, the hidden streams of testimony of people that have gone before. And we can do so much further in this day and age. My life's been changed by Carrie Judd Montgomery's life and legacy and, and her faith, studying her faith and stepping on her faith, standing on her faith. I've, I've been launched into a greater measure of my own destiny and it's competent to do life without it.
1: just give us a little background on Carrie Judd Montgomery, um, just her life and, and, um, the time and age that she was born was even before Azusa. So maybe just kind of go into her background and, and just give us a little taste of what that, what she looks like.
0: Yep. She was born, I believe in 1858. Um, when she was around 20, um, was she had, she's walking to school as a, as a teenager and she fell and injured herself pretty badly. Ended up in bed for two years. Should have died really. Um, her, her body was like, less than a hundred pounds. Um, they tried all the medical care they could give her, but she was just really, she was dying. Um, she couldn't handle light, sound, touch. She had hyperesthesia and it, basically, um, people thought she was going to die. Her mom even brought friends in to say their last goodbyes, but <laughs> Carrie believed she had a calling of God that was living, not dead. And, um, her, her father came across a testimony in a newspaper of Mrs. Mix, who got healed by Ethan Allen Otis's prayers. Um, and they sent her a letter immediately and said, hey, will you pray for care? She was in Connecticut. They were in Buffalo, New York. And she says, OK, at this time, um, we're going to pray in our prayer meeting. We want you to pray in faith. Believe that James 5 prayer, the prayer of faith will raise up the sick. And we'll pray at the same time and just act in faith. And we believe you'll be healed. So they did. Um, Carrie didn't feel anything, but she's like, I'm going to act in faith according to the word of God. She got up out of her bed, moved across, sat in a chair for the first time in like two years. Her face started to turn from pale yellow back to pink. And um, a little bit later, she was able to go up and down the stairs. A few months later, she was able to lead Sunday school. She was healed um, from that one act and uh, nobody really believed her because she she was pretty much dead and uh, she wrote a testimony of her story and ended up getting in a newspaper got printed in england people would read it they wrote letters they wanted to visit her she had a book called the prayer of faith which i actually have a copy of the original which is amazing and she wrote about her testimony and um I mean, that book spread and people read that book in Carrie's day and even now and and of her testimony and they get healed. Um It's powerful. I've met people now that have read that and in the process of reading it, stepping out in faith, they've gotten healed. So she had a big, big healing ministry, opened up some of the earliest healing homes in the nation before A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance. She opened up um, a, a healing home in New York, in Buffalo, New York, and then later met and married George Montgomery. And ended up moving to California, which is crazy that I went to England to discover someone that ended up in my home state, which is just the Lord. It was crazy. So in Oakland, California, the Home of Peace is there today. In 1893, she established the Home of Peace. um, And that was, uh, you know, this is 20 years before John G. Lake's Healing Rooms. Um, this is when healing was, uh, actually nobody believed in healing people. In, in 1800s believed God wanted people to suffer as unto the Lord, Lord. And that's how you honor God. And Carrie's like, no, I believe, you know, God wants to heal us. So it was quite a radical message at that, that day. Healing homes needed to exist because you couldn't talk about healing in the church. It wasn't allowed. And so that's what mm-hmm. Carrie did is open up these healing homes so she could teach people about healing, pray for healing, teach people how to walk and steward their healing. And, uh, you know, the home of peace is still there. I take retreats there all the time. I take, you know, my, my destiny house community. I take my people. We, we, yearly, we do retreats there. I've re- I've gone for personal retreats and writing. It's a, it's a special holy place where people encounter God and, um, not just a healing home, but like a glory home where people, um, different backgrounds, uh, of Christianity, not just one denomination go and just seek the Lord and, so many testimonies of how God has crashed in. And so she had quite a um, significant healing ministry, and she turns 50 in 1908. And Azusa Street, as you know, happened in 1906, and there's just all this, you know, weird weird speaking in tongues and signs and stuff that most people had never heard of and you didn't weren't exactly sure what was going on and you know carrie was already an established minister had an established healing ministry but she felt like if there was more in her generation and more in her day of god she wanted it even if it looked weird so she um, searched out some friends who had had this baptism of the holy spirit with speaking in tongues experience um, that, you know, Azusa Street was a big epicenter for that. And she prayed and she searched and she went after it. And she ended up having this radical experience where she spoke in tongues and God had marked her in a special way and, um, kind of embraced Pentecostalism in this sense. But never really, um, the thing about Carrie that's powerful is she never really embraced a denomination over relationships. She ended up um, choosing friendship above denominational ties. So Mm. some people like A.B. Simpson never spoke in tongues. That didn't mess up her relationship and friendship with him. And, you know, from there, she ended up going to take this almost Pentecostal message around the world on a missionary trip and to people that came. And she led tons of um, significant apostolic leaders not only to embrace the healing message, but also to have their baptism of the Holy Spirit, which impacted their whole ministry. So she's a hidden hero that no one's really heard about because she didn't need a platform. She wanted everyone to do this stuff, and she just loved people humbly but has a huge impact um, on what we've stepped into today, huge for healing, like what we have in healing today. Um, She was a big part of of that change and that shift for us.
1: Hmm. Hmm. So would you have – and you touched on it in what you explained too that – that faith healing wasn't even preached on or taught in the churches. It was looked down upon. But do you have any stories maybe being that she was a woman that she was, um, looked down upon or, um, because I know when we look at the heroes of the faith, we kind of put it in our culture, but I mean, their culture was way different. Do you have any, um, moments or even, even stories where, where she was, ridiculed or looked down upon by people in the church or, or anything like that?
0: Um, she got kicked out of churches because she spoke about healing, which was radical. She spoke to African-Americans, which was radical as well, and because she was a woman. So that did happen a few times. But one thing with Carrie, she never um, wrote or preached about being a woman in ministry. She just did what God had put in her heart and called mm-hmm. her to. And wherever the doors were open, she did it. She never tried to create a theology of why women in ministry should be able to preach and minister. She just did what God had called her to do with the doors that got opened and um, just moved on if they were, were closed. So uh, Heidi Baker's the same way, another female kind of healing evangelist in our day. I never heard her speak about women in ministry. She just does what she's called to do. And so um, wow. Carrie, yeah, Carrie never spoke about it. She just was who she was. And A.B. Simpson is beautiful um, he, she would show up at conferences that he was leading and he would stop and pull her up to the front of the stage and have her share her testimony. And he actually created space for her to shine. And, and so there's a need not just for, it's not just like feminist, Hey, women, get the women out there. It's whoever the anointing's on the moment. And, and we need men and women. And it's beautiful to see A.B. Simpson and even George Montgomery, who she married, kind of expanding um, a platform for her to shine and to be the gift she's called to be in the world
1: hmm well, wow, that that's impacting that she chose the voice of God in her vision ahead of any distractions or anything like that. and man, that really speaks to me.. Um, <laughs> um, you mentioned Heidi Baker um, and you get to walk around and you've you've had a relationship with her, aren't you ordained with her or licensed with Iris? I can't remember. Would you have any stories about Heidi that maybe you'd like to share?
0: Yeah, I got ordained by Heidi, um, New Year's Eve 2011, changing to 2012. I mm-hmm. mean, um, I lived in Mozambique in the year 2000 in Maputo when Heidi was there. Um, yeah, Heidi's incredible person, marked my life. The first time I ever saw her was probably around 1999. Um, I was at Vanguard University in Southern California, the same place that she graduated from years before. And I didn't know who she was. This is before she was popular in the Christian world. And I just remember this blonde girl came to the chapel one day, was on her knees, kind of worshiping and praying before she spoke. And I had no idea what she was talking about. She was talking about her, these kids in Africa, and all of a sudden, I had no idea. But I just knew um, she was like Jesus, and I wanted mm-hmm. to be um, around her. And I actually don't even think I knew that the Africa trip was anywhere connected to her. That was just, I was already kind of wanting to do that anyway, and then found out later they were connected. So she's, yeah, Carrie Judd Montgomery and Heidi Baker, um, two of the women that have most profoundly impacted my life. My mom as well prayed praise for me. and, And I know a big part of my faith is, um, protection is because of her prayers as well. Um, but yeah, those two women, my faith is at a new level because of Carrie Judd Montgomery and her perspective on faith and how it's doesn't matter about circumstances like if god said it he's going to do it so we're going to step up on faith no matter what comes against us because god's faithful and and you know heidi's championed and loved and um partnered with me and, and like what you said the writing in the glory book she did a, um, the forward for that she did the forward for my walking on water book and and that just is beautiful to partner with her to to bring the element of encounter and intimacy with Jesus, um, even in the writing process and, you know, and other things. And so, um, super blessed. I feel like they're both kindred spirits. One I never personally met, I'll meet in heaven one day. Um, and one I'm so, um, honored and, uh, privileged and thankful to God to have the opportunity to know in this lifetime.
1: Hmm. No, that's so good. So in regards to healing homes, I guess what, I know John G. Lake had one, but what, does a healing home exactly look like maybe if you can go into detail about what that looked like in a present day or not present day but in their present day
0: yeah totally so i mean the healing homes have roots um influences in george Truesdell. these are kind of people in pentecost early before pentecostal history carrie judd's healing homes um, were some of the first in america and people would come and they would be sick, and they since they couldn't go to the church and talk or pray for healing, they would come there, she would teach them, and they would pray for healing. Many of them would get healed, and they would go straight on the mission field, which is awesome. As um, time developed, healing was embraced a bit more in the church, and by the time she moved to California in 1893 and opened up the Home of Peace, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people that came there later on, too, were some of the missionaries that had previously gotten healed. And then they came there searching for their baptism of the Holy, Holy Spirit experience after Azusa Street. And so it kind of became a glory healing home, um, you know, just family. And there was an orphanage there. There was a school ministry there. There's a lot of different things going on. Uh, but, it, but it it changed. Uh, the dynamics changed a bit just because of what God was doing in different seasons. But it was always a safe place for Christians to come together and seek God and his glory. And I mean, there's some crazy encounters that she's recorded that have happened in the home of peace um, that are incredible. And even present day, we, we go there with teams and we just encounter God in a special way just because there's so much momentum. It's such a well of revival. And nowadays healing homes, um, you know, there was a season after that you know maybe the early 20s or whatever healing homes started to disappear because it was embraced in the church you could talk about healing you could embrace it um it wasn't a bad thing to talk about healing the church so that's why you don't you didn't see um that many healing homes until resurgence of the healing rooms and all that kind of stuff so it's starting to kind of be recovered a, a bit again um but yeah, it, it's a it's a kind of more pastoral model of uh, healing than like the power encounter. It's more like come, be nurtured. We'll teach you. Um, we'll pray, and, and it's a process. And um, yeah,
1: can you can you talk about some maybe some other heroes? I, I think uh, Amy Simple McPherson was one that. Um, did she ever meet her, or does she have any? Um... People that she spoke life into to give them uh, kind of their their story at all.
0: Yeah, so Carrie was actually crossed over with a lot of people with um, the founders of the Salvation Army, the Booths. She was an honorary officer of Salvation Army. Amy Simple McPherson. She knew um, Mar- Mariah Woodworth Eder. She knew um, Francisco Olazabal. Many people have never heard of him. He's like the Mex- Mexican Billy Sunday. Amy Simple McPherson actually wanted him to work with her, but he was already had a, a huge influence in Latin America planet, not just churches, but denominations. It was from George Montgomery. He got saved from Carrie Judd Montgomery that his wife got healed. He was open to healing later on, even after he spoke against the Pentecostal message. Um, he experienced what his spiritual mother and father, Carrie and George had with this baptism of the Holy Spirit, embraced it and then became a Pentecostal preacher big, big time. But yeah, she, she rubbed shoulders with Smith Wigglesworth. He came to one of her camp meetings. Um, a lot of these people came to the home of peace and stayed there and sought the Lord together. Um, and so she had a lot of crossover with, um, some of the, some of these people, um, and a lot of it is behind the scenes she was a lot of people referred to her as like like their mom you know because she she was unique in the sense that she was one of the first women itinerant preachers across the United States to bring the healing message over Rye Woodworth-Edder had done it before her but Carrie was actually one of the first Hmm. to itinerant preach across the United States as a woman and especially bringing that healing message over to the West Coast
1: Hmm. um And I'm not sure if I asked this already, but why do you think that she was so hidden?
0: I think um, Carrie's heart was uh, to empower the common person to step into healing, to do the work. Um, Later on, it became more of a platform thing, like Catherine Coleman, Amos and McPherson. It was like the anointed preacher for the day. Carrie was like, we're all anointed you know, everyone can do this stuff. John Wimber later on did the same thing, you know? Um, And so I think the Lord hides people sometimes, Um, you know, and I think she was so far uh, behind the scenes. Her influence was so great, but she influenced through other people. So many like AJ Tomlinson got introduced to healing. He was a church of God. I believe a lot of significant key apostolic leaders um, were influenced by Carrie and George, but they, they didn't need the credit for it she was probably an introvert she was a writer she just laid laid her life down um low you know and serve people and her i think her influence is great and i think now you know i think sometimes the lord hides people and i'm sure she was popular enough in her day but i i, I actually feel like god sent me to recover her story to resurrect her story from the dead to speak to our generation. Cause it's it's a now word, you know, unity above everything, relationship and friendship above denominational differences. Like some of the stuff she carried, I think we so, so need today. And I think, um, you know, I think now it's her time to shine in the sense of, um, just people re- reawakening and getting to know her story so that they can, see what it looks like. She was an apostolic woman. I mean, she planted healing homes. She, she did a church. She did so many incredible things. And I think it's also good to see a different model of what a powerful woman looks like that maybe isn't um, eccentric or super extroverted or, you know what I'm saying, like super, you know, excessive. Um, and I'm not saying anything's bad with any of those, but I do think it's it's a nice model of a woman that other people can relate to that was powerful as well.
1: Yeah, and even speaking to you and kind of looking into your story, like, and you've talked about the Destiny house, you have a lot of parallels with Carrie Judd Montgomery that you used her story and her testimony to kind of to push you into where you're at now. Um, maybe if you want to just talk about your Destiny house and what Carrie Judd Montgomery's testimony has meant to you personally.
0: Yeah, so... Right after I got ordained by Heidi Baker, um, it's December 31st, 2011, I went through one of the hardest months of my entire life. I was carless, homeless. A friend took me in. I got to sleep on a blow up air mattress on her floor in her house. I, had, I had just got my Ph.D. from England and moved to California, really feeling like, you know, something in Reading God had for me. But no doors were opening. And it was a very, very hard time. Um, it's just funny that you get all these crazy blessings, like a PhD and ordination from your hero, and then <laughs> you're in this crazy time of testing, um, and it was stretching, but God God was good, and I and I was led by the Holy Spirit to this one house in Reading, didn't know why, but just compelled to go after it, didn't have much money, um, and was like, should I try to get a car, should I try to get the house, and I just felt like God said, Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom, and it was... He wanted me to go for the house before the car, and that's very prophetic in nature because we need a family and a home before we can be launched into a, a ministry or a car. And so I was drawn to this house, barely had enough money, um, asked the owner to believe in me, give me give it to me for less rent. I didn't have furniture, I didn't have a job, thought I was crazy. Um, through a lot of prayer, the story is a bit longer, but um, you know, I, it got to the point of am I making the biggest mistake of my life or is this the biggest breakthrough breakthrough? Because I did not know the difference. And I was about to take pretty much all the money I had to my name and pay for the first month's rent and the, and the first deposit pretty much by myself, by faith. And at that time I remembered Carrie Judd Montgomery and her first, um, You know, the first time she stepped out to do a healing home in Buffalo, she only had money for the first few months rent, but she believed in Philippians one, six, what God initiates, he's going to complete. And she stepped out in faith from that one decision as like a 23 year old, her healing home exists beyond her lifetime, even today. And I'm like, if she can do it, then I can do it. So I took all the money I had, I gave it to him and I trusted the Lord that he would provide. And we just had our six year anniversary this last week. And literally, we got the downstairs, then we got the upstairs two years later. We have now 16, it's three floors, 16 people, all intentionally living in community. Um, we've seen miracles, signs and wonders actually happen at the house. People have found family. And um, really pulling from Carrie Judd's testimony and legacy um, for that breakthrough, it it was really um, important for me at that time and significant for that just push of courage and strength um against all odds because the story is pretty crazy um if if i go into detail it was pretty intense but it's so worth it and now we have a 100 year vision that's influenced by the moravians in germany and their 100 year vision for prayer we have a 100 year vision for worship so we worship every friday in the context of family. And we also have a family meal Monday nights. Um, We pray and fast. We have a guy's house next door now. So that's five guys. We have a brother house with 11 guys. We got an alumni house and we got a a Zusa type house. We got a house in the Philippines. So we have big dreams to release um, this model around the world and plant like 5,000 worshiping communities just around the presence of God um, and family. And Carrie was a big part of influencing that. I wouldn't call them, Healing homes, per se, people get healed, but they're more like glory homes and counter homes, um, just where family comes together with one thing and let's just worship Jesus together. And that really was the heart of Carrie. I mean, if you go to the home of peace, you'll realize, you know, it was more than just a healing home. It was actually they just wanted more of God at any cost. And um, you can feel that um, when you read her writings, you can feel that as I studied her life and read her things, um, you could feel that in that home. So very, uh, it, how a piece has definitely influenced, uh, destiny house. We're, we're modeled in part after that. Heidi Baker's influence, influence, John Wimber, um, Iris ministries, you know, a lot of different streams kind of coming together. Hmm.
1: No, that's good. That's good. So ha- since writing the book even, or even kind of, um, I think you, you said um, resurrecting her from the dead. Has there been other people or other even leaders of movements contacted you about Carrie Judd? Or have you received any feedback on kind of the research that you've done on her that has really impacted people?
0: Um not many people were interested initially when I was doing uh, my research, but one really beautiful blessing is Bill Johnson, the pastor at, at, at Bethel Church in Reading, who you know of. Um, he, I, I, the Lord opened up doors for me to, to work on a book with him called Defining Moments, and he let me put a whole chapter of Carrie Judd in his book, which is huge, huge, huge and uh, BSSM let me share in, in front of first year class in front of a thousand students all about Carrie Judd's story. And um, and since then, the home of peace used to be in the red. Barely anyone visited. Now tons of people go there in the black. They're doing so much better. So I, I really feel like the Bethel community and the BSSM community, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, um, because Defining Moments is, is one of the books that they have to read now. Um, I feel like they've really embraced her story and, um, it's impacted many people. And, you know, that was largely in part of Bill Johnson being gracious enough to let me put a chapter in his book on Carrie and, and just get her exposed even more. So, um, yeah, I, you know, there's like, um, I think in, in the Pentecostal, uh, academic society, uh, SPS Society of Pentecostal Studies, which I was like, a, I was actually an officer at one point for the history interest group. And um, they love Carrie Judd. Everybody loves her and they love me because I recovered her story. So all the academics in Pentecostal theology and history, they know about Carrie. They love Carrie. They love that I did work on her. Um, So there's tons of uh, favor there. I think more in the secular mainstream, she's still kind of getting more known. Um, But there's been like Christian Missionary Alliance has posted an article. The Pentecostal Heritage Magazine did a front front cover um, article on her that I, they had me write. So there's um, been some some streams that have kind of embraced her story, but hopefully she'll get more exposed to other people as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think she needs needs to be because, and you said it like she's one that started and, and finished well. And, and we can't say a lot of that for the other God's generals that even came after her. Many of them had their faults and, and things that they, um, they fell to. Um, so with, with you saying that, what do you think that Carrie Judd does offer this next generation? Or do you have any vision or, or things that the Lord has spoken to you saying, like, this is what I'm going to do with Carrie Judd's testimony in this generation?
0: One of the things I love um, about Carrie is that she was hungry. You know, she got healed. She could have stopped at that. But then when she was 50, already an established minister, she was still hungry for all that God had, even if it looked different or weird. And even after that experience, she was hungry for more. I mean, it's it's amazing, and and so to be hungry in every single stage and age of life is something that is very inspiring. She just did not let up, no matter what experiences or encounters she had. She wanted more of God each day, and that is compelling. That is inspiring um, to me. The other thing I think is crucial and key for this generation that she had is she held to relationships more than she did to um, denominational differences or beliefs. Um, Mm. people believe in Jesus, believe in the Bible. She was going to embrace them. She wasn't going to argue over you speak in tongues. You don't all these things. She was just going to love people, um, and, and seek unity and love, uh, above just minor dogmatic details. So I think that's actually really important as well. And yeah, she just, she just was, a. Someone that loved to be in the presence of God, um, and loved to cultivate the presence, and loved to just sit and be still in His presence and give that away, and yeah, freely she she received, freely she gave. The power of the testimony too, I think, is a is a big contribution that she's given us all, um, and how she stewarded the testimony, and how even today her the way that she stewarded her healing testimony is still releasing healing. I've met people that have been healed. From, from reading her testimony even today. So, yeah, I, I, for women in ministry, you know, for apostolic women in ministry, um, there's a lot that we can learn from from her life even today.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think one phrase that comes to mind is nameless and faceless. Um, you know, and, and you kind of mentioned that in her story that um, she would be the, the one that's kind of behind the scenes pushing other people ahead of her. And, um i'll just say this i think you have a lot of that on you too um saying that with your, your destiny house i can see that you know and even with your writing you're writing in the glory you're pushing other people to get their testimony out um so how impactful um say in 10 or 15 years do you want to see what you've done um accomplish in say 10 or 15 years with her story Um, I
0: hope by 10 or 15 years, she becomes commonly known in church circles. Hopefully, um, her story is revealed and exposed, and hopefully it inspires other people to study, to go even deeper. You know, I did a PhD on her. There was one person, Dan Albright, that did a master's on her like 20 years before. But as far as I know, there's no one else – Kimberly Alexander's done some research, but none as in depth specifically on her. It would be nice to inspire other people to look at different aspects of her faith. I just focused on her healing and her her pneumatology, which is Holy Spirit stuff. But there's so many different aspects of who she was that would be fascinating. Um, I would love to see more healing home glory homes planted, and you know, I think Destiny House is is influenced strongly by Carrie Judd, and so I think through Destiny House and planting more houses around the world, her legacy will will be extended um, to the nations really um, is what we want. And so she's part of that DNA, part of that foundation and framework. But yeah, I think um, I would love for her to be known. So God gets more glory, people are unified, more, more apostolic. I feel like too, her story is key for pioneering apostolic women. Um, I feel like anybody that feels like they have that sort of calling on their life, there will be keys to their destiny in Carrie Judd's story. And so I I feel like, um, it'll raise up a lot of pioneering apostolic women to do what they're called to do, start movement, start whatever it is they're called to do. And they'll be able to learn from her. Um, yeah. I mean, every time I share her story, people either get healed or, or get baptized in the Holy spirit. I mean, I don't think there's been one meeting where I've shared her story and, one of those two things didn't happen. Like it just happens every time because it's God's work in her life. And sharing what God has done, it, it just releases. Uh, it's a spirit. Testimonies, the spirit of prophecy, and it just releases it again. So, I mean, I, I was at Vanguard University, do um, at a post grad class. I was invited to teach, and this one girl co- comes in has like her neck hurts. She almost didn't even come to class. I start teaching about Carrie judge. She gets healed in class buys my book life on wings about Carrie Judge's testimony. Doesn't have time to read it. Gives it to her friend who's been in and out of the hospital on a breathing respiratory machine for years. She reads the testimony. Carrie judge gets healed, you know, so I have gotten tons of um, testimonies already from people who have been healed. Her life on wings prayer has inspired people to step into their destiny. Um, I mean, just, yeah, it's, it's just fun to, um, See what more God wants to do as our story gets released, how many more people will get healed, launched into their destiny, um, apostolic pioneering women launched and raised up. Oh,
1: hmm. on, right on. Do you, do you have any like um, secondary maybe heroes of the faith or other names maybe not so commonly heard of in that, that you did some research on as well or, or have heard of?
0: Um, Reese House, have you heard of him? No. Reese Howes, uh, he is he is uh, a man that was a part of the Welsh revival with Evan Roberts, um, and he ended up building a Bible school. But he was a man that was so he was an intercessor, so consecrated to the Lord. Um, There's a book by um, Norman Grubb called Reese Howes Intercessor. And I and I've been trying to recover him as well. So most of I, I put him in defining moments in my latest book, Walking on Water. I mention him as well, and I quote him. Um, he's another hidden, forgotten revivalist that needs to be more exposed. His he is so um, sold out and consecrated for the Lord, kind of like a um, you know a present day Lou Engle, someone like that who's just just totally set apart for the Lord. So he's he's inspired me as well. I want to get his story out there. Um, well, uh, Mariah Woodworth-Edder, she's she's a bit more well-known, but she's a powerhouse trotter, I just discovered. Um, she inspired the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I write about her in my Walking on Water book, too. So there's so many out there, you know, there's so many hidden heroes that need need someone to uncover and write their story just to encourage next generation. Hmm.
1: Yeah, right on. So I guess, Jennifer, if you um, you've mentioned some of your books and, and stuff where can people find your website and, and your products and, and the books that you're selling
0: oh, they can go to sil- silver to dot com so it's just silver and then t-o-g-o-l-d dot com and then there's like a my books are available there or Amazon or you know wherever I'd love to read um, maybe a closing prayer by Carrie Judd
1: yes absolutely um,
0: if I can just, here we go. So this is, uh, are we ready? Yep. So, uh, this is, okay. The context of this is 1910. Carrie had already been healed. She had already been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is another encounter she had even after those crazy encounters. And she says, early this morning, as the power of God was upon me, And I was recognizing, as I so often love to do, the indwelling comforter and worshiping him in his temple, with the Father and the Son, was led out in prayer for different things, but all at once he said to me, I want you to recognize definitely that I am filling the temple. Of course, I know he always fills it, but this was something a little different. And he wanted the recognition that every part of spirit, soul, and body was pervaded with his presence. And that meant, as he revealed to me his meaning, that I should drop even prayer for the time and be occupied with the presence of his glory. And I said, O God, the Holy Ghost, thou art filling thy temple. And immediately, just as though a little vial of adder of roses had been broken in this room and every part of it would soon be filled with the perfume, so the presence of his glory sensibly pervaded every part of my being, and even love and prayer were lost in worship. Now, who is going to trust God for the winged life? You can crawl instead if you wish. God will even bless you if you crawl. He will do the best he can for you. But oh, how much better to avail ourselves of our wonderful privileges in Christ and to mount up with wings as eagles to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. Oh, beloved friends, there is a life on wings. I feel the streams of his life fill me and permeate my mortal frame from my head to my feet until no words are adequate to describe it. I can only make a few bungling attempts to tell you what it is like and ask the Lord to reveal to you the rest. May he reveal to you your inheritance in Christ Jesus so that you will press on and get all that he has for you. Amen. Thank you, Carrie Judd.
1: Wow. Thank you very much for coming on today. It's been a real pleasure. Um...
0: Thanks for having me. And thanks for... uh, Helping redig this uh, well and recover this this hidden revivalist.